some of you, I'm changing that to many of you, are probably asking why me? Why has Scott Kurtoys up there? Because many of you know me, and when I say no, I put a quotation mark around that. Raise your hand if you know me. Jana, raise your hand. Eric, hold your hand up. You know, Sonia, raise your hand up. Shell's family, my family, raise your hand up. You know who I am. Well, I'm here for many reasons. First of all, the preacher asked five months ago when I was in deep despair, depression, over my mother dying, told him, sure, I'll think about it with no intentions of thinking about it at all. But then God rumbles something in your heart and your brain, and after a while you realize that you don't submit to God. I have a piece of scripture on the screen right now. Look at that first piece of scripture. I hope this, this the, the, here it goes. Nope, that's not it. Yeah, it is, it is, that's it. Here's the reason why Scott's up here. Here's the reason why Adam's up here. Here's the reason why Trevor's up here. Here's the reason why anybody in this church house can't be up here. This is Ephesians 3, 7. And this is Paul speaking from prison, told the Gentiles, I became a servant of the gospel by the what? The spirit, God's grace, by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Now, what do we know about Paul? The old Paul was what? A persecutor of disciples, Christian disciples. My next piece is Mark 16, verse 15. This is Jesus saying to his disciples. Now, we all know about the disciples, don't we? None of them were perfect. Some of them were right down foolish. Some of them still doubted Jesus' resurrection after the death even of Jesus. And he told them what? Go into all the world and do what? Preach the gospel to all creation. That's hard for me. I haven't used the word preach. It's been hard for me to say I'm going to preach. I've been saying I've been, I'm going to present a message today. Third is 2 Timothy verse 2. Now, this is not long before Paul's beheading. He told his close friend, like his little brother almost, Timothy. Now, Timothy wasn't anything special. He was the son of a Jewish mother and a Greek father. He told him, what's the first word? Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. What does that mean? I've been out of season for about eight months, folks. I just been kind of around the world, just surviving and not thriving, walling around in my own pity. High one day, low one day. So it's out of season, but he says, be prepared out of season. If I ask many of you right now, you're probably out of season. Preach the word, be prepared in season, out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience Woo! and careful instruction. Next verse of why I'm here, Exodus 4.12. God spoke to Moses when he commanded him to speak with the elders of the Israelites. And Moses was just making up all the excuses. We know I love Moses. Moses, one of my favorite characters. And I'm in awe that my mother gets to see Moses every day. I'm in awe of it. Moses said, I can't speak. Moses says, I have a speech problem. I don't know what to say. He says, God, I don't know who you are. Who do I tell him who you are? And what does God say to him? Now go and I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. 
God knew he took me from home for the last 10 days to stay in hotels and be with teachers and be away from my family so that God could show me what to say and do today. Moses was just a regular Hebrew man who was supposed to die when he was little. You remember? Moses was supposed to be gone. He was an infant and he even had a speech problem. What did all these men have in common? What did all these people have in common, folks? They were imperfect. Every one of us are imperfect and all, every one of us are called to serve and preach. Heavenly Father, I come to you today and ask my words are pleasing to you. I ask for fluidity in my lips and I ask that I say things that are only going to glorify your kingdom. Father, be with this congregation in this church and I ask all this in your holy precious name. Amen. My sermon title today is... If we look up here, let's turn to the next screen. What does it mean to be well or to be doing well? So I just want you to think for a minute. What does it mean to be well or to be doing well? Can I have my next screen, please? How about the next one? Hmm. I had two great pictures that aren't there. Keep going. There they are. Now, about two weeks ago, I went to my chiropractic massage therapist's office in West Plains, Missouri. I have a very good friend there. And I sat down and I saw that sign. If you notice, I couldn't see the sign, so I had to take my camera and go, you know, to get on, get on it. And it says, it is better to stay well than to get well. I already had a sermon wrote, folks. Guess what God said to do? Tear it up, start all over. So that's what, that's what I'm doing. So when you think of being well, what do you think of or what do you think of when you think of being well? Some may say being well means to be happy. So if I ask someone how you're doing, oh, we're doing really well. Things are going really smooth. Or it could mean, you know, my bank account is right where I want it to be. Mine is sometimes where I want it to be and then it goes down. Some may say we're doing really, really well because my health is good. My blood pressure's down. My weight is down. Doctor says I'm doing well, so I must be doing well. Is that what you think of when you're doing well? Most of us do. But as Christians, what are Christians? Christ followers. We're in pursuit of what? Being like Christ. As Christians, there are bigger indications that if we're doing well or not, we should be doing well even in the dark times. Anybody had a dark time lately? Raise your hand. You should be doing well even in the dark times, those times that we lose loved ones, the times the bank account is low, the times maybe we don't know how we're going to pay the car payment, the times our children move away and abandon us. Times we're not so healthy, the times our friends are hurting, times our family is lost, maybe everything around us is crumbling, we're supposed to be well. But too, un too often, unfortunately, when we're asked how we're doing or when we are speaking of our wellness, we're not even thinking about our spiritual walk. So today I'm going to be talking a lot about our spiritual walk or the complete separation that some of us have that we've created, that we've created from God. You know, it's a lot easier to 
stay well than to get well. And that's what hit me here in this sign. Because for about two months, I finally decided, you know what, I'm going to put my big boy pants on and I'm going to quit wallowing in my own self-righteousness and pity and anger and all of that stuff that we do. And I'm going to get healthier. I'm going to give my wife the man that she deserves. I'm going to be the leader that I'm supposed to be. And I'm going to be the child of God that God wants me to be. So I'm trying to get well. But if I'd have stayed well, it'd have been a lot less work. Can I get an amen? Anybody ever been unwell? Raise your hand if you've ever been unwell. I don't want to ask who's unwell now because some of you may raise your hand and that's all right. Today as God has brought me a message and I'm telling you it was a message when you're sitting right before the massage and that's all you think of during the massage and then the whole time you're driving away from the massage, you're writing things down on paper that you think God's bringing you. Today we're going to ask ourselves three questions. They were up there somewhere. Here they are. How do I know if I'm well or not? That's the first thing. How do I know if I'm well or not well? Number two is how do I stay well? And how do I know if I've achieved wellness? Okay? So the first point today, remember Trevor always said, three-point sermon, three-point sermon, three-point sermon. I've got it down pat. Got my outlines, the teacher in me. How do I know if I'm well or not well? The first question I have for you today to check if you're well or not well, there's two words I want to talk about briefly, and it's thriving and it's surviving. There's a big difference in those two words. Some of you, including me, many days of the week, many days of the year, I wake up just holding on, praying to God I don't fall. Ever been like that? Yeah. I remember my friend Beth, when Eric decided to lay down for 30 days, she was just holding on to each day. And we all do it. We put on our seat buckles that morning, seat belts that morning, and we pray that we can just make it home without killing someone. We hope that we can remain righteous enough that God doesn't strike us down with a lightning bolt. There's a big difference in thriving and surviving Thriving is when even though the dark times are there, we still have the promise of security of our, of our Father. If you would, turn to Psalms, one of my favorite Psalms, Psalms 1. Don't get so scared by all these yellow tags in this Bible. Psalms 1. I'm going to give you some time. Trevor doesn't do that sometimes. He's listening to this too. I can't wait. <laughs> Psalms 1, I know he's nervous. He's, he's going to lose his job. <laughs> Psalms 1, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on this law day and night. But look at verse 3. The person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whole leaf does not wither, whether they do prospers. Whatever they do prospers. See, when we're planted firmly in the word of God and we've made the decision for that daily walk, that pursuit of Christ, I want many of you have been on farms, raised on farms, been to a farm. 
I was raised on a farm, and that's when I decided to go to college. <laughs> Do you remember those great big trees that used to live by the bodies of water, by the rivers, and they've lived longer than all the other trees? See, those trees learned how to thrive. They have deep roots, and they have deep roots, and no matter what water comes toward them, they stand upright and they develop fruit. So we need to be more like those big trees planted in the Word and stepping in foot with Christ. And what does it say happens to those people? If you go back up to verse 2, it says, But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on this day and night or stand in the way that the sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. So we need to be more thriving and less surviving. Are you allowing the world to define you? Are you letting bad people or even good people? You know, there's good people in the world, really good people that maybe are a bad influence on this, on us. You ever had those people in your lives that are good people? There's nothing wrong with them. Their belief system is just a little bit different than what you need for your stepping. Are you allowing hard situations to harden you? Are you allowing what's happening in your family to make you hard? Are you just surviving? Are you allowing the judgments about you define who you are? Many of you judge yourself and you have judgments from your family and friends. Are you surviving or are you thriving? Turn with me to now to verse 1, chapter 1, John, 1 John, chapter 2, verse 16. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. How do I know if I'm well or not? Are you denying yourself? Are you denying yourself? Raise your hand if you really like yourself. Raise your hand if you really like yourself. Eric, raise both of your hands. <laughs> we really like ourselves, don't we? We do. So my next question is, are you denying yourself? Are there things taking your time, your focus, your money away from God? I want you to think about this. I'm reading a great book by Louis Giglio right now, and it's, it's called I Am, I Am Not. And he talks about meaningless things in our life. And in the book, he says, stop right now and write a list of the meaningless things in your life. I wrote a notebook page front and back and stopped because I got sick to my stomach. Meaningless things in life. I want you to make a list real quick in your head. Make a meaningless, what's meaningless in your life? And meaningless means what's meaningful toward God. Now, less means not. So what's not meaningful? What's there? What's on our list, folks? Tell me something on our list. This is active participation. You know, that's the teacher in me. What's on our list? Home decor. Yep, some of you ladies will go spend every dime you have, even the formula for your child, to go to that big store with all the signs. What else do we, are the meaningless things we do? Do we put our kids in 54 sports and try to keep up all seven days of the week and then throw in some piano and some clarinet and some fruit, flute, flute as well? Yeah, yeah. Do we put nine projects on our list so we want to make our home look just as well as someone else and yet our time is taken? Can't serve God, we can't read the word, all those things. Those things are called idols. Yeah, did you know good things become idols? 
Old Testament, there was all kinds of people who worshiped idols. Idols are anything that gets you in, takes you away from God. There's all types of things that will take you away from God. So I'm asking you now, are you denying yourself? 1 John 2, 16 says, on not loving the world. Ooh, that's hard. Not loving the world, isn't it? We're raised in the world. Everything we have is of the world. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. How else do I know if I'm well? Are you in a state of constant fear and anxiety? And I got a good friend in this room right now. I know she is all the time, and I know she's working on it. I've got family in the room right now. They live in that fear and anxiety. It's, my, it's our mother's fault, isn't it, Jamie? Yeah. Yep. We lived in a constant fear of anxiety. What's anxiety? It's that fear of impending doom. Fear of impending doom. It's fear. What happens if I don't have the perfect house and it's not perfectly clean? What happens tomorrow if I get to work and I don't not dress a certain way? What happens next week if someone in my family dies? It's that constant what if. Allowing past events create a fear of the future within you. We've all done that. Is Eric going to die again? Maybe so. What's next? Anybody ever think of that? Oh, what's next? Here it comes. What else is the Lord going to bring to me? What else is the Lord going to make me work through? For some of us, nighttime is coming. There's anxiety in the night. Here's the worst one, comparing myself, myself to my old self. Anybody do that? Comparing your new, this self to the old self? Let me tell you, I got I to gotta, I gotta tell you about what happened to me. Third Wednesday night, I walked into the CrossFit gym and there was a bunch of young 20 and 30-year-olds there. And me and my friend Lynn Porto was the oldest people there. And I wanted to look at all them 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds and go, well, suckers, let me tell you what, I used to do that and I did it better than you. <laughs> and I automatically got mad on the inside and I wanted to leave and I was mad at every one of you. I couldn't stand any of you. Because <laughs> you were pretty and you were in good health, and you all dropped weight, and I was once there. Biggest achievement I ever had in my life. Then I got out in the car, and I rebuked Satan because I realized there was nothing to do about you all. You all didn't do a dang thing. It was anxiety that I had within myself because of where I used to be and where I'm not now. And whose fault is that? Mine. It's time for us to start sucking it up. Time for us to start sucking it up. Let's go to Philippians 4. Hope you know your Bible. There's no better way to know your Bible than to get to know your Bible. And if Alan could hear me, I'd get an amen from him. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says, rejoice in the Lord. I will say it again. What? 
Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be what? Say it. Anxious about anything. He didn't say be anxious about these things, but don't be anxious about these things. He said, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, now here it is. In every situation by what? Prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, all of us that have anxiety know what gives us anxiety, don't we? Yeah, we know our fears. Up until a month ago, the first thing I thought of every morning that gave me anxiety that it was, was that it was in two seconds of me opening my eyes is that my mother did not walk this earth anymore. First thing. By prayer and petition the night before, I asked for two things. God, let me wake up tomorrow and think of something that is positive in my life. And number two, God, let me dream about my mother. He's not let me dream about her yet, but he will. You've got to be ready in prayer and petition. You know what you're anxious about. Bambi, can I get an amen? We know what triggers us. We know what our anxieties are, so we must be ready for them. So those are all things that I know if I'm well or not. If I'm not well, I know what to do. Then number two, how do I stay well? How do I stay well? When the term the flesh, think about that term, the flesh. Can you think of that? When you think of the flesh, I bet you think of things like sex and drugs those types of things. But when I think of the flesh, I think of all earthly things. Earthly things, fleshly things. My wants, my needs, my desires. How do I stay well? Are you protecting the flesh? That my, that's my first question. Are you protecting the flesh? Galatians 6, go to Galatians 6, verse 8. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows, Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Amen. Amen. Who wants eternal life? Amen. So here we are talking about those fleshly things. And once again, takes us right back to those idols that we have in our life. So think about what are those fleshly things? I listed about 30 here on my piece of paper. Time is a fleshly thing for me. Sometimes I don't want to give up my time. Friends is a fleshly thing for me. I've got some friends that are real fun. I've got some friends that are real fun. But they're a fleshly thing, you see, because the fun that they're having is not the fun that I need to have in my life. Approval from others. You know, as you get older, you start losing that need for approval for others, but it's still there. We all want acceptance. Fleshly things, jealousy. I want what she's got. He wants what I've got. Arrogance. I know I'm really good at something, so I'm going to show my arrogance. Loneliness. Food. Wealth. Slothfulness. That's one of my biggest fleshly things is slothfulness. It's just easier right now. 
for me to crawl up in the bed and lay around and forget about things. My question is here, when you're talking about staying well and are you protecting the flesh, are you self-sacrificing? We talked about what sacrifice in Sunday school meant. Sacrifice means something you give up and it should hurt. It should hurt you to give it up. A sacrifice means if I don't have my telephone with me those 10 hours of social media time, I'm going to have anxiety and may lose my mind. Well, guess what? That's hurting. You know what? I'm going to have to give some friends up. That hurts because I'm used to being with them. They feed me something that I need. They give me, they fill in a hole that I need. That hurts. I'm going to be in church three to four or five times a week, and I can't do X, Y, or Z at home. That's hurting. How else do I stay well? You know, every one of us are given. Well, not every one of us, because there's some of us I've believed that don't have a conscious. I've known some of those people. We all have a little voice in our head. Now, some of us have more than one voice in our head. My brother-in-law would say my sister has more than one. Little voices in our head, and there's always a voice that says, not the best decision, great decision. Now, about five times in my life, I have made the worst decisions in my life that affected my marriage, and I knew that I shouldn't have done them before I even started doing them. Husbands, you do too. Wives, you do too. So are you relying? How do I stay well? Well, I need to rely on that voice that God has given us. You know, it's the old commercial, it's the old cartoons. When I say old, I mean anybody that's 45 or older in the room. Tom and Jerry, things like that. The Roadrunner. Look at these young kids. Who's that? Remember the little devil here? Little angel, angel here? It's as simple as that. Are you using your conscious voice in your head? Do you ever hurt for the Lord? You know, I'm reading that book right now. And when Moses, in Exodus, when Moses was at the burning bush, the bush kept burning and there's God, the bush didn't burn, but there's God in the bush and the voice. And God says, don't enter around here. This is what? Holy ground. And he says to God, Moses didn't want to go speak to the head of the Israelites. And he says, well, who do I tell them sent me? And what was God's response? I am, the I am. So if God is the I am, we are the, three words, say them with me, I am not. I am not. Everything we do, we try to make our own story. We try to make our own story. But we should be adding to God's story. So I want you to every day ask yourself in your conscious voice as you are making sacrifices, is this my story or is this God's story? Next thing, am I well or how do I stay well? Look at John 10.10. 10. Can anybody go to John 10.10 10 for me? Maybe not. Raise your hand when you have it. Got it? 
Anybody have John 10.10? Tiffany, do you have it? Come on, Tiffany, get it for me. Read it for me. John 10.10. Stop there. The thief. The thief comes only to... Who am I referring to right now? Satan. My next point here, are you remembering that daily Satan is prowling? Keep on with that, please, Tiffany. Three verbs. He comes to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. Nice guy, isn't he? And what happens when we are growing closer to God? What happens to Satan as he prowls? What happens to Satan as he prowls as we get closer to God? You know it. You know what he does. He tried it this morning, all morning with me. He tried it last night at my home. He tried it Saturday with my wife. He did it all week to me and my family. And when he can't do it to you, guess what? He'll do it to somebody that you love. Are you remembering from the time that you wake up in the morning that Satan is prowling? Are you putting on the full armor of God? You remember that? Remember that full armor of God thing? Romans 6.10. Go to Romans 6.10. No, I'm sorry, that's Ephesians 6.10. How do I stay well? The full armor of God. Finally, be strong. Remember this in Sunday school and in church and and all those things when you were little? They put all the things on you, the full armor of God. I don't think we take it quite seriously. We need to up the rigor of that, teachers in the room. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's, devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes in the full gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and Request. So I'm asking you daily, are you wearing the full armor of God? Third point, how do I know when I've achieved wellness? How do I know when I've achieved wellness? You know, Trevor, a couple Sundays ago, we had a full, this whole thing was full up here because he talked about living in the darkness. Talked about living in the darkness. And all of us have lived in the darkness at certain times in our life. Even those who have accepted Christ live in darkness at times. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 says, Keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruin those who listens. 
Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the words of truth. So I'm asking you daily, it's your purpose of waking up and moving on daily to survive or is it this active, write this down if you're taking notes, active pursuit of Christ. We'll pursue lots of things. Some of us will get online and we'll pursue that perfect antique. We'll pursue that perfect plant for our garden. We'll pursue that perfect outfit for a wedding. We'll pursue the best Bible because that's to be better than someone else's next to me. We'll pursue the perfect car if it means we're going to wait on it eight months from the dealership. But are we in active pursuit of Christ? And that pursuit never ends. Are you rebuking yourself? We're good at rebuking others, aren't we? We're good at rebuking others. Oh, look at that. Do you believe she's wearing that to church today? Do you believe that they bought another new car and they just bought that two months ago? Jana and I are putting our heads down right now. Are you rebuking yourself? Are you rebuking yourself? What does the Bible say about not being hot or not being cold, but being lukewarm, Joan? What does it say? Spits you out. He doesn't want us cold. He doesn't want us lukewarm because if you're lukewarm, he's going to spit us out. Some of us are lukewarm right now. Some of us are cold. I've just started lukewarm again this summer. Do you have peace in your life even when life isn't in the good? You know, there's a misinterpretation that Christians are always happy. I don't think there's a scripture in the Bible that says, oh, I'm going to be happy all the time. Christianity is not about being happy. If you think Christianity is about being happy, forget it. Christianity is this. January 2nd, God chose to take my beautiful mama away from us. And she slipped away. And it was the most joy ever in the world because there's security in knowing that the second she closed her eyes from this earth, she woke up with my father. Can I get an amen? amen? There's no happiness. Some of us may never see happiness in this world. Some of us just have a black cloud coming over us. And some of us feel like that a lot. You know, Trevor preached a couple of weeks ago that God can answer prayers, right? He doesn't always answer them, does he? But we know that when he doesn't answer prayers and we're in times of the valley, in times of the valley, not the hillside, what should be happening to us when we're in the valley? We're moving and growing closer to him. It's when we cling to him even tighter. How else do I know if I've achieved a wellness? Well, what are we called to do? We're called to do service, to glorify the kingdom, not to do service. And I've seen it here. I've seen it at Pleasant Hill. We've done service so that we can feel good about ourselves. We've had service because Pleasant Hill can be on social media and look how big we look. We can do service because my neighbor can say, hey, look what my neighbor done for me. 
But if we're not doing service to glorify the kingdom, quit doing service, folks. Service is meeting needs, taking away from ourselves, feeding those who are hungry, clothing those who, are, who need clothes, going to the widows, helping with the children, taking of ourselves. Proverbs 3, verse 5 through 6, 6 says, Lean not on your own. Yeah, sometimes we don't understand. I don't understand why still Dot went to heaven. She was healthier than me. She knew more than me. She was faster than me. She taught me everything. I don't understand why God took us from a church of 40 to 200 and we don't have any parking. I don't understand things like that. But I'm not supposed to lean on my understanding. I don't know, understand why me and my sister can be pretty straight-laced and my brother just doesn't get it yet. I don't get it. But I know I'm not leaning on my own understanding. I'm going to lean and I'm going to accept his. My next thing I want to ask you, my last point about how do I know when I've achieved wellness? The word excited came to my mind. I wrote it down the other day in the car. When you spend time in the car, you keep a pencil and a notepad by you at all times. The word excited. Are you excited to see what God is doing? Or are you asking yourself, what is he going to do? Don't ask me why I'm here today. It's more than just to fill in for Trevor. I know that. Do I see myself living in that parsonage someday? No. No, I don't. Maybe something I'm saying today will grow somewhere in, someone in this church. I don't know what it is. Maybe someone will realize today since I'm speaking and I'm presenting a message, they can too. Maybe there's someone in this church who's just lost. Maybe someone here has never spoke the words to Jesus. Jesus. 